Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what's up this your boy la duval and check out my podcast conversations with unk on the black effect podcast network each and every tuesday conversations with unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness unlike my work on stage i tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Listening to Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio coming to you from beautiful, sunny, soggy California. Site, one of the sites of the Sweet 16 played tonight, played tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll have 12, and by tomorrow night we'll have eight. And then there'll be elite, and then there'll be six, and then there'll be four, and we'll be with you in San Antonio next Thursday, next Friday. It is a great time of year for hoops. Uh, last night, the um, last night, the Cleveland Cavaliers surrendered. What was it? Seventy-eight points in the first half. It seemed like a hundred and fifty points in the first half. The Cleveland Cavaliers um, seemed to give up a bucket. Excuse me, it was seventy-nine points in the first half. They give up seventy-nine points in the first half and win. And win. 
course, they scored 68 of their own points in the second half. They come from behind. LeBron James, nearly perfect game. 35, 7 rebounds, 17 assists, and nary a turnover. I'm only reading this stat line because I wanted to say nary a turnover. That's the real reason. Toronto, for uh, lack of a lack of a better way to say it, they are who we thought they were, right? They're like, oh, Toronto's new, Toronto's better, Toronto's in first place. Toronto had two opportunities, two opportunities, to show that they were an elite team in playoff caliber games, cologne games as we like to call them recently. They played the Thunder at home, gave up 132 they, gave, they played the Cavs on the road. They gave up 132. The Raptors, in the words of the late, and I think pretty good, maybe even great, Denny Green, are who we thought they were. But let's get to the story of the day in the NBA. Jim Jackson's going to join us later on today, right? Jim and Jim. Uh, Penny Hardaway's going to join us later on today as well. New head coach, the Memphis Grizzlies. I meant Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis Tigers, University of Memphis Tigers. Yeah, Sources New Grizzlies head coach. We're also going to take you to Cleveland, take it to New York, find out who the Browns are taking, feels like Sam Darnold, find out who the Jets are trading up for, feels like Josh Rosen. But there was apparently a players-only meeting in San Antonio. Here's a report from Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, from ESPN. Sources, Spurs hold players-only meeting imploring Kawhi Leonard to return to the lineup. He goes on. Spurs guard Tony Parker, a four-time NBA champion, quarterback to meeting after the team's victory over Minnesota Saturday night. Non-players were asked to leave the locker room. A source told Michael C. Wright. The conversation was described as tense and emotional at times. Several players spoke up, expressing their frustration and confusion, confusion over the growing divide that has created significant tension between Leonard and the Spurs. Outside the Spurs locker room, players' voices could be heard through the doors, sources said. Leonard was resolute in his response, insisting that he had good reason for sitting out all but nine games with the right quad injury this season. Because of the meeting, the team did not conduct the usual post-game player interviews with its broadcast partner. Leonard is a two-time defensive player of the year, yada, yada, yada. He's eligible for a $200 million contract extension this summer. He has impressed his coaches and teammates in three-on-three, four-on-four, and there's a belief that his rehabilitation was cycling towards return to the court, has targeted games in the past week, only to decide he wasn't ready to return, league sources said. They got 10 games left. Danny Green, on his Twitter account, after Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj tweeted out that Spurs held a players-only meeting imploring Kawhi Leonard to return to the lineup, Danny Green said, quote, on his Twitter account, couldn't be any more incorrect, LOL. Uh, so that, that's fascinating. Jabari Young, anybody know who Jabari Young is? Jabari Young had this to say. With, with, the, um, with the San Antonio Spurs. Actually, you know what? Let's first, this is what Manu Ginobili said a couple of days ago. He's not coming back. For me, he's not coming back because he's, he's not helping we fell for it a week ago again. I guess you guys made us fall for it. But uh, as I said, maybe a month ago, I don't know when it was, we, we got to think that he's not coming back, that we are who we are, and that we got to fight without him. So yeah, that, that shouldn't be changing. At least till we 
he's ready for the jumble. So I, I, I generally think that while Woj probably had the story, remember Woj is reporting on the story based upon what a source told Michael C. Wright, right? This is the game of telephone. They had a meeting. It was players only accurate. Guys were asking questions about Kawhi, whether he was healthy, probably accurate. It was tense. You know, it's all what your definition of what is, is, right? It was tense. It was it tense for a regular conversation or was it tense for a basketball conversation? In a locker room, guys talk to each other far differently. And I'm guessing that part of the issue is Kawhi probably wondering why Manu said what he said. I'm guessing the players wondering why it's been reported one way and portrayed differently. Guys trying to all get their stories straight and figure out what what's what. And Kawhi's just not a verbal guy. But the reason I think this is so interesting is not just Kawhi Leonard, who's arguably the third best player in the league behind LeBron and Kevin Durant. And what people will say is best two-way player in the league. On the other hand, Durant has become one of the better two-way, might be the defensive player of the year this year. What, what, what this jumps out to me as, look, if it was Cleveland, you would nod your head and go, as LeBron, his teams have drama. Right? If it was the Lakers, you'd go, ah, it's a young L.A. team. Even if it was the Rockets, a team that's been super successful, you'd scratch your head because they've been winning a bunch of games. You're like, you know what? That's Chris Paul trying to get that team lined out for the playoffs. There's a certain fascination. I was, I played my first professional, uh, my, my first professional team I played with was in Russia. And Russia's been open since, you know, the early to mid nineties, since Perestroika. But there's always a fascination with Russia. Like even now you feel like, I remember I lived there in 2001. I lived in a surgery called, you'd call it perm. They call it perim. Right, P-E-R-M. It's on the base of the Ural Mountains. It's like the gateway to Siberia, if you will. And uh, it's the, actually the second largest city in Russia. But no one knows it exists because even during Perestroika, it was a closed city because one of the big, it was a big military city where they made uh, weapons. And if you ever watched Dr. Zhivago, that's based and shot partly in Perm. Anyway, Everywhere I went, I was fascinated by because even though it's still, you know, really outside of Moscow, it's a third world country. You know, we have the World Cup, obviously, upcoming on Fox Sports 1. There's still a fascination to Russia because there's just so much we don't know and we don't hear. And our only, the only thing you think of with Russia now is either the Soviet Union from back when we were kids, Red Square, or Vladimir Putin. That's it. Yeah, there's this is incredibly huge, the biggest in terms of land, biggest country in the world, I believe, still. And yet there's so much stuff we don't know because we couldn't find out information for most of our lifetime. Now we can, but either we don't have access or we don't really care or there's not kind of a reason for it. So even though Russia is just another country. And in many ways, it has some of the same and some of the same and bigger problems of all the other countries. There's some good. There's some bad. There's some incredible wealth and some incredible poverty because we don't know anything about it. It's far more fascinating than, say, 
I don't know, a country like Denmark or Norway or even England. One that our, our history is tied to. In, in the NFL, I think the reason that the Patriots seem like more of a dumpster fire than previously is we never, all these stories that have come out about the Patriots, the dysfunction within it, we just couldn't get information from them from, for 15 years. Like LeBron has been giving us, we've been getting snippets of drama from LeBron forever. In the NFL, we've been getting snippets of drama from the Dallas Cowboys forever. We get it from New England, and now we're really interested. We get it from the Spurs, we're really interested. We get it from Kawhi Leonard, really, really interested. Because like, otherwise, like, I, I don't, players only meeting, for, telling, a, imploring a player who is hurt but maybe not injured to play late in the season, trying to clear things up. They don't show up for media stuff. They're trying to iron out differences, all get their stories straight. Like, all of that is great. It's only really interesting because it's the Spurs and because it's Kawhi, right? Which is much like the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and Robert Kraft story. Sure, all of these teams that have, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in New Orleans. You know, Drew Brees signs for less than market value. What were those conversations like? How tied to Drew Brees is his head coach, Sean Payton? How does that work with ownership? Do they all get along? I'm fascinated by what ownership thought of Alex Smith when he was traded from Kansas City. Like, all of these relationships between the owner or the owner's family, and the quarterback is really interesting. But it's more interesting, not just because the Patriots win, but because we haven't gotten information for the Patriots forever. That's why this Spurs conversation is so interesting. My guess, though, is it's far less sinister than it reads. It, because this is probably how you read it. All the Spurs are pissed because they think he's healthy and they want to know why he's not playing, right? That's what it sounds like. That's what it feels like. Players only meeting. They're shouting. They're yelling. Why aren't you playing? You're healthy. I'm out there beating. When it's probably, hey, can we just talk this thing out? Are you hurt? Are you injured? Are you mad? How much of this is your contract? How much of this is what Pop said? Is any of it what Manu said? Like, let's just figure it out. And I know that we think all these players hang out around each other. They live near each other. They're best friends with one another. But that's likely not the case here. And the best way to do so, one of the, one of the things about playing on the road is it allows you to cut through it and cut out any middlemen in conversation and just ask Kawhi Leonard, like, are you going to come back this year? What do you want us to say? How can we protect you and not make you look bad? On the other hand, Tell the world we want to see you on a basketball court. Danny Green says it couldn't be any more incorrect, but Adrian Wojnarowski's, the, the, the tweet was, players held players only meeting imploring Kawhi Leonard to return to the lineup. It's possible they held a players only meeting. That was part of what was discussed, but maybe it's a bigger frustration in preparation for the playoffs. We're going to ask Jim Jackson, He's going to join the show upcoming next. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs, this is to you, Kawhi Leonard, it helps to know the ins and outs of insurance. Let farmers share with you practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. 
We are farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. Jim Jackson played for 12 teams in the NBA, none of them the Spurs. I'll ask him on about Kawhi Leonard whether or not he thinks he can come back and play and shut short order and get ready for the playoffs. Plus, we'll preview tonight's Sweet 16 games. That's next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. There's a better way to buy home insurance with Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer tool. Get a custom quote and a great rate all online. See for yourself how much you could save at Progressive.com. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Jim Jackson usually caused the players-only meetings, right? He didn't just attend. I'm kidding. Uh, Jim Jackson, uh, a former college, high school, college superstar. And, um, of course, you see him on Fox Sports 1 and played the lottery pick, number three pick in the NBA draft. Of course, played for 12 different teams in the NBA. Who has a greater sense for teams and and the old players-only meeting than Jim Jackson? He joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, JJ, I, I want to get to college basketball Sweet 16 in a moment. But Kawhi's only played nine games this year, and there's various reports about a players-only meeting in which guys are trying to figure out why he wasn't playing. What, what's your sense of exactly what's going on in San Antonio? Well, it's, it's the same thing. It's kind of weird because this is kind of out of character in regards to what we've heard. You, you've been around this a long time, Dougie. With how many times have we heard San Antonio having a players-only meeting? Ever. You, you know what I mean? So – it's kind of uncharted territory in regards to the inner circles. Maybe they've had some before. We didn't, it just hasn't come out, but it, it's kind of a delicate situation because Kawhi is so quiet. We never really get a sense of what he's thinking. And um, if this is the case in regards to Kawhi and the stalemate with the Spurs, then there's a lot more to his injury in regards to, um, his ability to play, because I don't think as players, if you know a guy is hurt and injured and can't, was injured and can't play, you don't have a meeting to implore him to come back on the team or get back in the mix in fear that that may, you know, endanger him, you know, long term. So that just indicates to me that something else is going on in regards to his injury, and it may not be as serious. Um, as what it was, but it may be some some conflicts between Kawhi and upper and, and management. Right. So it, I, I feel like you hear players only meeting, and because the Spurs, and because it's Kawhi, we freak out because we don't we get no information from them. And the truth right. and and the truth might be a little bit less sinister than players, because as you know, like one of the things that players never do, like guys never talk about somebody else's money, right? Like I'll never. Right. You you stay away from. What their their personal relationships, right? Unless like not not in front of the team, like that's not your deal. And you never question, at least I I've never questioned whether that somebody's hurt or not. It feels like it's more realistic to say like, hey, just tell us what's going on so that we can answer the questions properly and we can we can fight for you in the media without. Ma- on the other hand, we want you to play. Like, is it is it kind of a clearing of the air, but in a less sinister way in which it's presented from the media? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I, I would like to say that the players sincerely want to know what's going, want to hear from Kawhi. Because I don't, you know, the, the thing is, what's the dynamics of the players' relationship on the team? Who's closer to Kawhi? Who has his ear? Who does he talk to? We we just don't really know that. You know what I mean? So obviously, the team, the teammates are getting mixed signals from somewhere on his availability, and that's that's the tricky part here. Because when you 
had teammates. They, they've been around. They've been together for quite some time. So they know each other, especially Parker and Ginobili with Kawhi. Okay? They know each other. So it's something there for them to have to do it. And it's a trust thing, too. Do they – are they did, – did Kawhi let on to somebody that the reason why he's not playing has to do with more than the injury? And I tend to look at things a little bit differently just because I've been in those locker rooms before. Because if a guy is hurt, you know a guy is hurt. A guy is injured, you know it. He's going to tell you, but, but I can't play. I can't go. This is what's going on. But if there's a question about it, then that tends to lead me that is more to this than just the injury. And that's the, that's the tricky part. Jim Jackson joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I want to believe in Toronto. I, I swear to you, Jim, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do, but then mm-hmm. it, it so was holding you back. Um, 132 given up last night, and 100, <laughs> 132 given up in to Oklahoma City. Those were both playoff caliber games, and in both cases, they they couldn't get stops. And like, look, I like that they're moving the ball more. I like their talent. Yep. I, I like Demar Derozan seemingly taking his game to the next level, to 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 maybe superstar caliber level. I, I like a lot of those things. But you can't give up 132 to both the Thunder and the Cavs and lose both those games and me take you seriously. Yeah, no, and here's the thing. I was listening to Colin earlier today, and Colin made a great point, okay, in regards to playoff basketball. Situational basketball, and you need to have a superstar. And that's true, because I always look at it like this, Doug. It's not like the NCAA, where it's a one-game scenario. If some stuff hits the fan, uh, a lower seed, I mean, an uh, um, a underdog team can win. In a seven-game series, it's about making adjustments within the game, but also going into the next game. It's also being relatively healthy. It's also being strategic. See, see to me, coaching, I look at coaching like this in the NBA. During a regular season, you're coaching minutes, you're coaching um, injuries and health, and you're coaching egos to kind of keep all those in line so you can get to the playoffs in a prime position where now the coaching – the strategic part of it really comes out. That's a, and that's, that's what a, separates that's a, it. That's a great, like, listen, you know, I, I, I I mean, look, I'm going to run that again, again. Wait, say that one more time. So in the regular season, you're coaching minutes, injuries, injuries and egos. and egos. Yep. And egos. Yep. That's, that's what you're doing during the regular season. Now, what you could, because you have so many dynamics going on and so many things with injuries and how you manipulate the lineup. This guy feels he needs to play. My, my, my main guy may be hurt. And it may, when does the injury happen? How do I uh, game plan for not having maybe my core group for 10 games? All that stuff. But once you get in the playoffs, man, it's, I'm drilling in on what's the four or five go-to plays that this team really loves to do. How can we make adjustments offensively? And that's the difference. Now, who do you have that can execute these, our game plan the best? See, Doug, everybody wants to emulate Golden State, right? Mm-hmm. Shoot the three ball, get multiple guys to handle. But what they're missing, and people really, you know this because you played at a high level in this, maybe not the most athletic, but here's what you had in, in a lot of players, Golden State, high IQ. So you got eight or nine guys on that team. You're starting four or five have high IQ. So when you go to your bench, okay, you got three more guys in Iguodala, David West, and also Sean Livingston, they got high IQ. So what do you lose from that? You may lose athleticism, 
but you don't lose a feel for the game and how to execute and play. So if you put a swaggy P um, or other guys out there that maybe don't understand the game as much, JaVale McGee. But you balance that because you have three other guys that understand how to play. That's why they're so tough to beat. And to boot, you have Steve Kerr. So with Toronto, look at it. They've improved so much. But when you're playing against Cleveland, high IQ, LeBron James off the chart. Okay? Kevin, um, you, you talk about you may lose Kyrie, but when you have a guy that's won before like Kevin Love, they don't give him enough credit for how he plays. So we saw last night a statement game with, with uh, LeBron like, hey, I'm still the best player in the world, and we're still the favorites to win the East. Why do you think he's played better since Ty Lue has, has stepped away? <laughs> Why do you think he's played better? <laughs> I, but you know, you know what, though, though? Here's the thing. Let's go back about a month, though. He's been trending towards this for about a month, though. Think about how he's played, okay? I think he's really been sending a message. Okay, you want to talk hard MVP? Eh, that's fine. Let me show you. Oh, you, Toronto's the best team. Yeah, they got the number one team. But remember we did the Boston last year when they had the number one team late in the season? Yep. We blew, blew the doors off of them. So let me just show you just to quiet things down a little bit. How do you have 36-17 and no assists? Though? And you were a no, 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 no turnovers, me. No turnovers. I mean, I mean, no turnovers. I don't How know. How do you do that? I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I, do, I knew his shooting would get better because everybody shoots better the older they get. I just didn't know he'd yeah. be able to maintain this level of a- athleticism and his body, his body not break down. Um, bro, it's, incre- it's incredible. Bro. It's, it's really it's incredible. Can, can you hang for a minute? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, make sure, by the way, you check out Jim's new show on Fox Sports Radio every Sunday alongside Mark Willard, 3 to 6 Eastern time. So you get Tough Juice. You get... Uh, you get uh, Who's hosting with Tough Juice with Karan Butler? Chris Mannix oh, and Chris, Karan Chris Butler. Mannix, yeah. And then you get Jim Jackson and Mark Willard. Like, that's that's not six hours of great radio on Sundays. I don't know. And by the way, um, so I guess, Jim, you're confirmed you're going to join me next Wednesday? Oh, no doubt. All right. It's early. It's, like, I know you like to smoke cigars late at night in, in, <laughs> in really in really nice places that I can't afford to get into. That's, that's 6 a.m. No, East Coast it, time. And that's all right. I'll have my deep voice. Because of the cigars. You know what I mean? He'll have his R&B voice going. Jim and I are going to fill in on the Dan Patrick Show next week, next Wednesday on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Let me find out what else is going on in the world of sports. Here's Dan Byer, and then we'll ask Jim about the Sweet 16. What do you got, Dan? Yeah, Sweet 16 tonight, a double dose in Atlanta, in L.A., but there's other college hoops news. Dan Hurley leaving Rhode Island to be the next head coach at UConn. Reports say he'll get a six-year deal to coach the Huskies. While the Louisville Courier-Journal says Xavier coach Chris Mack will meet with Louisville officials on Saturday about the school's coaching vacancy. Bucks forward Giannis Antetokounmpo doubtful to play tomorrow against the Bulls because of a sprained ankle suffered in last night's loss to the Clippers. Hornets center Dwight Howard has been suspended for tonight's game against Memphis after picking up his 16th technical of the season wait, last wait, so, night. Wait, so he had a 30 for 30? 30, 30 rebounds, 30 points, 30 rebounds, and then he can't play the next game? That is correct. That is correct. Although, maybe he's like most of us and would want to miss Hornets Grizzlies. Um, the Giants traded defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Giants sent JPP in a fourth rounder to Tampa for a third round pick and a fourth round pick. 
And in golf, I know something that's close to Jim's heart as well. Jordan Spieth won his day two match at the Match Play Championships. Tony Romo, a five over par 77, playing at the Corrales Championship in the Dominican Republic. But he's five over par, and what is, he's not going to make the cut, is he? No, that 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 would have been magnificent, a, mir- a miracle if he did. But no, he's not. Gonna is he in last cut. place? Nah. Well, you know what? I was going to save it for game time, but he okay. is not in last place. Okay. So, all right. all right. Jim Jackson continues to join us. Check him out Sundays on Fox Sports Radio. Let me let me ask you about about tonight. Uh, let's start with Kentucky. Um, what's your reaction to Kentucky's resurgence and the fact that? I mean, like, look, he complained about their seed. They get a 12 and a 13, and now Kansas State and the winner of Nevada and, Lo- and Loyola. I mean, the Ooh. highest seed in my play is a 7 to go to a Final Four, but they're, they're playing better basketball. What's your thoughts on what Cal's been able to do there? Well, it, you, listen, it, they were young. I thought uh, from a point guard perspective, per- perspective, it just wasn't there at the beginning of the season. Young guys had to figure out. You think about when Kentucky played their best basketball, from a point guard perspective, they were solid to, to really good. And that kind of drove them. When you don't have the right guy running the ship at the time in regards to understanding how the player is going to happen, what you do. But I always said that this team was long, athletic, and they were going to be a better team at the end of the year than they were at the beginning. And Cal has done that in the past. So it's one of those dangerous teams that you hate to see in a one-game scenario. But to boot, they, they put themselves in position by winning, a lot like Duke, okay, um, where you had some questions maybe at times, but because those other teams dropped off, now they're the teams that you look at blue bloods that you thought maybe wouldn't be there. They're there, you know? So it's, 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 it's incredible with, if you just take care of your business, especially in today's world, that you can put yourself in a position to be able to get to a potential final four in a national championship game. But I love them. They're long athletic. They can play Cal. Yeah, I just, I don't know if they can shoot, I mean, and yeah, I know that, that's the problem. Right. And I think Kansas State, now you're stepping up in weight class and I know the Kansas State only had a nine seed. I thought they were underseeded. Um, but, you know, big thing is, does, does K-State have Dean Wade? If they do, Dean Wade's a face-up forward, all-league player in the Big 12. Good player. That's going to be a fascinating game. Um, let, let's, let's go to Michigan. You did a, a ton of Big 10 games. And yeah. let's be honest, Michigan was beaten by Houston. Houston makes, uh, Devin Davis makes uh, any of his, he had he missed three free throws in a row, two when the game was essentially done, and this is a different story. But we know how they play, four out, one in, and Mo Wagner has not played great in the NCAA yeah. tournament after the week and a half off. They're playing against Texas A&M, who's got a tremendous front line, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know how they'll guard Michigan. What are your thoughts on Michigan and A&M? Well, I was at practice yesterday, because I'm calling the game tonight, both games here in L.A., and the challenge is going to be this for Texas A&M because you have bigs. Can they guard on the perimeter and stay engaged? Because as you know, with the multiple movements to pour in one out for Michigan, they're going to make you have to think the game and really react to a lot of downstreams, picks, uh, misdirection plays, especially for a post player. And that's a little bit more challenging. Plus, I think Michigan, the advantage they have, they end up pulling those bigs um, Tyler Davis and Robert Williams away from the basket. So you got some you got some offensive rebound opportunity. But talking to Billy Kennedy, he said sometimes we can play small and match up. So it's going to be interesting is their, their attention to detail in regards to what they're doing game planning-wise, how those bigs react. Because Michigan, I'm going to give you this, Dougie. Okay. We don't get credit for their defense. 
They're playing pretty good defense. They went up against some teams, okay, from a size perspective during the tournament, and they competed where they only gave up eight, nine offensive rebounds the last two or three games. So they're rebounding ball, the ball at a higher rate during the tournament defensively. So I think that bodes well for Michigan. Hmm, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, Florida State-Gonzaga, your other game tonight. But look, the the Zags have obviously been here four times in a row in the Sweet 16. <laughs> but this is a yep. this is a new Gonzaga team against a Florida State team that was also dead to rights beaten, but one that when they walk on the floor, like if the two teams are in the layup lines, you you pick Florida State. Um, but Gonzaga has you know found a way culture wise and just making enough shots. Who do you like in that matchup? Well, two things. Talking to Mark Few, this is what he said. He said we're a different team than last year because now we had traditional post up players. But now what we're doing with Jonathan Williams and the crew, they're more face-up. Yep. Okay, so the offense is totally different. Okay, so they're playing better. They don't have the super, superstar like they had in the past. But this group is different. They rely on two, three, four guys to kind of get it done. Now, challenge is going to be, talking to Leonard Hamilton, with his ass are going to face is this. Leonard Hamilton will tell you, listen, our top seven guys' teams are better. Our top seven guys versus their top seven. But our top 11, to their 11, we got it. And what he means by that is that he got 18 guys on the team. Have you seen 18 guys on the team? He plays 11. So they're going to press and try to wear you down and try to keep the game close that you wear down that they can win it in the end. And he's comfortable doing that. So the Zags have had problems turning the ball over against pressure. Will they be able to handle that, those waves of bodies, fresh bodies coming at them, in order to, I think, extend the lead so it's not within a one or two possession game going down the stretch, because that may not bode well for them from a mental perspective but a physical perspective, and it might favor uh, Florida State. Uh, Penny Hardaway's coach in Memphis. Obviously, he went and coached some, wow. high school, coached some high school ball. And Penny, if you've ever spent any time with him, he's super bright, and um, – I think he'll obviously be great with the kids and anybody who's a mentor and AU coach. We all grew up watching Penny. Of course, the ads mm-hmm. were really good. I I don't see it as nearly as big a challenge as some people do. What's your thoughts on Penny and whether or not it's a huge challenge for him to be successful as a college basketball coach? Well, first, it's it's a lot of pressure and weight. I don't think he realizes yet because he's from Memphis. He's a hero to Memphis. He played at Memphis State. He coached um, there high school-wise, the AAU program. So what they're expecting, their expectation, that's going to be, I think, the initial part of, of how he impacted early on. What are the expectations for the program with a coach who hasn't coached in college, who hasn't gone on recruiting, who hasn't strategized, who hasn't game planned? What is the time frame that we're looking to have in order for the program to grow? Those expectations, Dougie, are so important because no matter how great Penny Hardaway is as a player and as a person and as a high school coach, you know and I know coming into college, this is a, this is a, a period situation where it takes a little bit of time, especially from an inexperienced coach, to be able to come in. So what are your expectations as a program? You know, that's to me – is, is going to be the key to the timeline on, on their patience to kind of get Memphis back on the map. You know, they're thinking that, oh, well, Penny will be able to go right in and, and get all the Memphis players. Well, that's not necessarily true. That's, you, you know, that's not necessarily true. 
So what are the expectations? And I think he can be great there, but they got to give him a chance to really build this program the way he wants to, but also have some realistic expectations the first uh, one to three years. Yeah, no, listen, I I think it's totally fair. I do think that it brings energy back. I think the most interesting thing is, yes, you can get – all the guys from Memphis, do you want them all? And and then the other part is like, just because guys all grew up in the same hometown doesn't mean they all like each other, you know, or want to play to So sometimes you'll take one and that means you can't get another. You're like, well, what, what, what happened? Like, I thought you guys are boys. Like, yeah, I don't really want to, it doesn't mean I want to play in college with them. So it's a, it's a little bit of a minefield there, but I, I do think I, I, I think it's the little things outside of the, the coaching that make it harder. The actual ball coaching. I kind of think that stuff you can do, Pretty well with a little bit of help. It's going to be fascinating to watch. But, Go ahead. But think about this, Doug. If you're like me, people say you want to coach. I said, listen, I love to teach. I love the game. But most of coaching, college coaches, is what, 15, 20% on the court? The rest of the stuff is can you deal with the alumni? Can you deal with the administration? Can you deal with recruiting, AAU, the parents, the handlers? Mm-hmm. Dreading to get that three o'clock in the morning phone call that something's happened. That's the crux of coaching a lot of times the on the court stuff guys will tell you man i love it it's easy it's the other stuff that if you haven't been in that situation now you're dealing with can you really handle that part of it and still grow the program that that's also gonna be the challenge great stuff jj enjoy the call tonight on westwood one that's jim jackson you see him on fox sports one you'll hear him next week hosting with me on the dan patrick show and weekends on fox sports radio three to six eastern time with my pal mark willard JJ, thanks so much. Thanks, Dougie. All right, that's uh, Jim Jackson, who uh, will be calling the games tonight and then smoking cigars and drinking wine shortly after that game. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs, it helps to know the ins and outs of insurance. Let farmers share with you practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find agent at Farmers.com. We are farmers. Guess who almost became the Niners' new quarterback instead of Jimmy Garoppolo? I'll tell you next. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, uh, college basketball games tonight really interesting stuff going on in uh in the nba and of course uh johnny menzel throwing it showing up at pro day at usd university of san diego that's just weird yeah i went down to usd's pro day who uh, who was down there like uh, johnny menzel like okay okay sure this is game time Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. You have to get to Hooters and try these new smoke wings. It's a whole new way to crave wings. I'm craving them. Are you craving them, John? I'm craving them. Of course, Doug. We are craving them. I haven't had them, but I'm craving them. A way to crave wings with all the taste and half the calories. You can eat twice as many at Hooters. Buyer. Dan Buyer, what do you got, my friend? Today we have got... Guess who? All right, Doug. Guess who is a future Hall of Famer that just signed with the Miami Dolphins? Future Hall of Famer, Miami Dolphins. Future Hall of Famer, Miami Dolphins. Future Hall of I don't know. Frank Gore, veteran running back, who I believe is destined for Canton. 
And there's no way he can't get in. Yeah, and of course, a you know, one-year deal. And, you know, he uh, played for Miami, right? Yep. University of Miami. Like, he's... He's been over the. He's supposedly been over the hill for like the last five years, and he still is a productive. Although now I think he's officially over the hill. Uh, yes, Frank Gore will be in the Hall of Fame. Should he be though? Um. Yeah, I think so. I think that there are. I think that the bar of what Frank Gore has done, he has passed the bar set by other running backs that maybe shouldn't have gotten in. Was he ever the best running back in the league? No. Then there's your answer. Neither was Jerome Bettis. Uh, I look. You I didn't. I, again. So, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, like th- this is the thing you're doing. You're doing the well. There's guys that he's had a better career than that are in the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to dispute that with you. I'm not because you're going to win that argument every single time. My argument is just because we made a pass mistake on get, letting a guy in because do you know Jerome Bettis is from Detroit? I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they played in the Detroit Super Bowl, huh? How about that? Which he almost he fumbled and almost cost him the Super Bowl. Anyway. Um, but I, I think he's one of these, he's been good for a long time, was never great, but yes, he'll be in the hall of fame. Guess who Doug was supposed to be a part of Kyle Shanahan's master plan in rebuilding the San Francisco 49ers. Kirk Cousins. Yes, that is the case. Niners GM John Lynch told ESPN that Shanahan was actually in mourning early after the team traded for Jimmy Garoppolo because they knew that they, wouldn't be able to trade for Cousins anymore and also wouldn't be signing him in free agency. Well, remember, he was in D.C. with the Redskins when they drafted Kirk Cousins, worked with Kirk Cousins, liked him a whole lot better than RG3. Guess who, Doug, is not expected to return from injury to play the Sweet 16? Not expected to return. Uh, Isaac Haas. Yeah. yeah, CBS Sports reports that Haas was able to practice today, but the team doesn't expect him to go tomorrow against Texas Tech with a fractured elbow. In fact, Doug, a little video clip was um, put on by saw, uh, yeah. yeah, Allie LaForce, your old uh, co-worker, and Isaac Haas was throwing a pass with his left hand. With his right hand, you mean? No, with his left hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's the right elbow. Yeah. By the way, happy birthday to Joe Smith of the Houston Astros. Husband to one, Allie LaForce. All right, happy birthday. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a gift will be in the future. Guess who received an edible arrangement thanks to getting one of the top athletes in the world back on track? So this person received a gift for helping a top athlete get back into form. I don't I have no idea. It's kind of uh, crazy. Um, give me a hint. Um, in golf. Oh, Tiger Woods. Yeah. His back surgeon, Dr. Richard Geyer of the Texas Back Institute, received an edible arrangement bouquet from Claire Rogers, a 23-year-old Boston College student who sent the fruit bouquet bouquet after watching Tiger compete in the Arnold Palmer I'm okay Invitational. with that. I'm okay with that. I mean, honestly, like those edible arrangements are delicious, and I can, you can eat that, eat the hell out of it, and not feel like you get like uh, you know, like you get something else. There's so many other things that are bad for you in this world. Do you buy the dark chocolate is really good for you? I ate an entire dark chocolate bar the other day, and I'm told it has antioxidants and it's kind of good for you. Do you buy that? Hey, I'll believe anything to eat more of it. Mm. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. It helps that I love Ramos so much. just helps. <laughs> you cannot helps love, love me, Ramos right? so much. The process is almost complete, but before Philadelphia goes crazy patting themselves in the back, there's something that's been patting their stats. I'll tell you next in the Doug Gottlieb Show.
What up? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm. Mm. I got some split pea soup for lunch. Split pea soup. Do they split the peas? Or is a split pea a kind of pea? You tell me. Mm. I like all the peas. All of them. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. It is uh, cool and rainy here in normally sunny Southern California. Don't worry. We're not going to complain about our weather. We need the rain. Need the rain! A lot of snow in the Northeast. Wherever you're listening to us, thanks so much for making us part of your day. I'll be hosting Cowherd Show tomorrow. Defending his honor right now. So, last night, Joel Embiid took to Twitter and called Colin, Colin Cowherd, uh, Colin Coward. Colin Coward. Uh, that's because, that's because um, Colin did not think they would win 40 games, and that was the over-under this year in Vegas for the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers have, in fact, won 40 games. Exactly 40 games. Now, they have 12 to play, so it stands to reason they'll hit the over, right? Congratulations to you, Philadelphia. You have proven so many wrong, I guess. And Colin sucked it up, and um, did he ever actually get the right size jersey? When I was listening, they'd send him a schmedium And uh, he's not exactly built, but he is tall, so a medium jersey won't do. Did he eventually find a size large? I don't know about the sizing, but at some point he was wearing a jersey. And so this is what we do is is you make a prediction over, under. He says under for the 76ers. They tie the over, still haven't hit the over, but stands a reason after winning four in a row, they'll hit the over. And he's called all kinds of names because somehow he doesn't get it. But does anybody actually know what's going on in the NBA? I'm not sitting here telling you that the process isn't getting closer and closer to completion. But before we uh, hurt ourselves, patting ourselves on the back. Let's remember what's going on in the Eastern Conference. Maybe more than anything, let's remember what's going on in the bottom of the NBA. Teams are tanking. At a remarkable rate. Ramos, do you know how many games the Memphis Grizzlies won in the month of February? February. I would say four. If I said less than four, uh, Dan Byer, would you go over or under on four in February? I would probably go under because I know it was a, a rough month. A rough month. How rough a month was it? I would say I would say one game. What if I said less than one game? Oh, wow. (laughs) Zero? Yes. Wow. Yes. Now, look, they were helped out because there was an all-star break there, right? Helped out because there was an all-star break, so you didn't play every every week. Um, But just pull it up and look. Look in the month of February, and you're like, they didn't win a single game. Matter of fact, they've only won one game since the all-star break. That was last Saturday. They somehow beat the Denver Nuggets at home. Other than that, their last win was January 29th. So forgive me, and, and look, they're not the only team. Can you name an Atlanta Hawks, and the Hawks just won a game after losing their previous seven. 
And I'm not sure if you guys know what the Hawks are doing. The Hawks are quite clever about this. They're signing guys that no one has ever heard of and putting them on 10-day contracts and then playing them at the end of games. Now, when they beat the Jazz, they let Dennis Schroeder play most of the game and he had 41. Can you name another Atlanta Hawks starter? I'm going to go with you, Dan Beyer, who, Dan, you know a ton about the NBA. You probably know more about the personnel of the NBA than anybody else in this room. Can can you name another Atlanta Hawks starter? Oh, gosh, no, I can't. Want to take a shot at it, uh, their uh, rhyme music? Um, I'm going to go with... I can't. I can't even think of one. Cephalosha, Does he even play there anymore? Uh, well, he's not currently playing there. No, he. Okay. I believe he's with the Utah Jazz. Actually. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Thabo is, but I don't think he's even playing there. Um, their starting lineup in their win against the Jazz was Mike Muscala. That's a. Uh, he went to Bucknell. Borderline NBA guy. Torian Prince, former first round draft pick of the of Baylor. Uh, Demarcus. Uh, what's the name? Um, Demarcus Dedman. Uh, it's Dwayne Dedman. Played at USC a couple years ago. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, Dennis Schroeder, and Damian Lee. Who uh, Damian Lee, I think, was at um, was at Louisville. He was at LaSalle, then at Louisville. Yeah, that's their starting lineup. That, that's kind of my point. Like, they're starting a borderline D-League. They got a D-League roster in the NBA. And so, I, I guess, here, let me just get around to this really quickly. The 76ers are getting better. I'm not, not denying that. And them hitting the over proves a lot of us wrong. They're 17 and 23 against playoff teams, which is not terrible, but also not great. They're 23 and 7 against lottery teams. 23 and 7. 1 0 against the Hawks, 1 1 against the Grizz, 2 1 against the Bulls, 2 1 against the Nets. The Philadelphia 76ers benefit from the fact that half the teams in the East are trying to be bad. And they're no longer one of those teams. And actually, while that will sound like a slight at their 40 wins, the truth is it's kind of out of respect for what they've been able to do. The league sees the talent that they've been able to acquire by tanking for three or four years. And like, we need to do that. And what do they say about imitation? It's the most sincere form of flattery. And that's what Orlando's doing. And that's what the Hawks are doing. And that's what the Bulls are doing. And frankly, now that the Hornets, you know, aren't a playoff team and their coach was sick and they're a mess and they, they're trying to, they were trying to think about trading Kemba Walker, they've decided the hell with it. It's better off being really bad than being competitive. They've tried to tank to get into that bottom rung of, of teams. The Kings, 23. The Mavericks, 22. The Grizzlies, 19. The Suns, 19. The Hawks, 21. The Magic, 21. The Nets, 23. The Bulls, 24. And the Knicks, 26. That's how many wins they have on the year. So forgive me if I don't do backflips over the Philadelphia 76ers and tell you they're the greatest team of all time. They're good. They're talented. And you know what? They'll have a shot at landing some more talented free agents because they overpaid for J.J. Redick for one year so they keep that cap space. But they're also benefiting greatly from Tankapalooza. That's what I think Bill Simmons calls it. Massive, widespread tanking that hasn't gotten better because they've adjusted the lottery. It's actually gotten worse. And while that sounds like a slight at the Philadelphia 76ers, 
The fact is that when everyone at the bottom of the league, everyone at the bottom of the league is copying what the 76ers did, that's the most sincere form of flattery. Yeah, we don't think you're great now, but we think what you did was a great idea, so we're going to copy it. All right, coming up next, he was a lottery pick. He's from Memphis. He's coached uh, in AAU ball. He's coached in high school ball. And now he's come back home to what's now the University of Memphis, was Memphis State when he played there. Penny Hardaway is the new head coach of the Memphis Tigers. Uh, about seven years ago, I shared a plane ride with Penny. Sat across from him. He was he got to he was part of Memphis's basketball program as a mentor. And I think they beat UMass in Boston Garden. And then I flew home with the I flew with them to Memphis, caught a flight to Dallas, then out to Hawaii. Spent a couple hours with him. I found him to be a fascinating, really interesting guy. Has a super high basketball IQ, also great interpersonal skills. Gonna ask him about the challenges to it. And and when this became a reality, because it was rumored as such before Tubby ever got fired. We'll get to that upcoming next. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs, it helps to know the ins and outs of insurance. Let farmers share with you practical knowledge gained from more than uh, 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Penny Hardaway joins the show. New head coach of Memphis next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, but first, 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35. And the thing is, once you notice your hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than replace the hair you've lost. A one-stop shop for hair loss and skin care is called uh, forhims.com. Thanks to science, baldness, frankly, can be optional. And forhims.com connects you with real doctors and gets you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. There's no snake oil pills, no gas station counter supplements, prescription solutions backed by science, only at 4 It's so easy. Answer a few quick questions. Doctors review and prescribe to you the right stuff for you. You can get a free trial month of 4 for just $5 while supplies last. That would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to a doctor or pharmacy. Go to 4 F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com slash D-G, 4 slash D-G. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, there, there's, um, I said this last year um, when the Oklahoma State job was open. That it is recruiting is about telling a story, right? Let me tell you a story of what the next one to five years is going to be like, and then what your life is going to be like after you go to the school that I'm working for. Most coaches coach at places that they didn't go, and most of a, a good number of them didn't experience basketball at the level of which they're coaching. So you're still telling somebody else's story. There's a difference when it's your alma mater. And then you, you double down on the fact that you were in fact a star and you're from that town. That's what Penny Hardaway is going to be able to tell. He's not telling somebody else's story. He's going to say, I grew up in Memphis. I was you. I played at Memphis. I played in the NBA. I've accomplished 
everything you could ever dream of accomplishing and that some things you could never even fathom doing. So if you want to know what it's like or going to be like, other people can tell you, but I actually lived it. That's the, that's the, that's the sale I would guess. And so look, I didn't, I thought two years was too short a, a tenure for Tubby Smith, but it was still an odd fit for Tubby at this point in time in his career to be coaching in Memphis. But once I heard the idea of Penny and I understood what he was going to do or what I thought he was going to do, I was like, now my, my ears are perked up. Let's hear from him ourselves and find out what his vision is, what he thinks is realistic. And some of the challenges in coaching at Memphis, being from Memphis, having coached high school basketball and AU basketball Memphis. Penny Hardaway joins us, new head coach of University of Memphis on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Doug. Thanks. I, I appreciate it. Okay, so, um, look, it was leaked out as a possibility a couple of weeks ago. When did this become, when did the rumors become really kind of tangible to which you started to go like, okay, this is going to happen? Uh, you know, like um, maybe uh, a couple of days when they said that they were, uh, that coach wasn't going to be retained. After that, I knew it was going to be a reality. Uh, it was really unfair to Coach Smith for them to kind of, I know the media has to do their job, but to uh, to broadcast that out there like that before the conference tournament even uh, came about. But uh, I just I knew like maybe like a day or day after or a day before he was he was getting fired, and, uh, I was going to be coming in, and uh, I was super excited for me, kind of sad for him and his staff because like you said, it was only a two year run. So, so when you you come in to do the interview, what was the um, you know, did you did you line it out for them? This is how it's going to be. Did you simply answer questions? How did you approach the Q and A, the interview with them? No, they really just asked, "Was was I dedicated to doing this?" They didn't have any questions that I could turn the you know the program around, that I could do some things that they knew that I could do. And basically, all they, all they wanted to know was, "Am I willing to put my legacy that I've had here in Memphis? People love me here. I'm born and raised here. I played here on the line because it could be an ugly game when you're coaching and." You're not winning, and how the fans and how the media, you know, looks at you. Um, could I handle that part? And could I handle the media side of it? Could I handle the the um, the ins and outs of what comes along with the job, with the ambassadors, with the boosters, with the, all the uh, the appearances? And I told them yes. And that's basically all I had to do was tell them that I was all in, and um, they were fine with that. You know, it's it's interesting because that's the. It's the Tony Bennett said this last week when they got beat University of Virginia. He was like, look, I told our guys, you anytime you enter the arena, everybody thinks of the great things, but the bad things can happen too. this even more. So like you are a legend, you are a deity. You are a, a, I've, I've been to Memphis games when you're there and everybody stops and everybody wants to talk to you. I mean, but have you really had that thought? You're like, what if this goes really bad, dude? No, I'm not wired that way. Um, I know that things can happen. But we won't wallow in the sorrow, you know, and I know things can, you can have a tough loss and then that could kind of be bad around the town until the next game because I did that in the NBA. You have a tough loss, the next day you look at the paper, you're like, oh man, this is, this is not good. And you're feeling down until the next game. But I, I never, I don't come in with that attitude. I come in with a winner's heart, a winner's mindset, a winner's attitude that we're going to be successful and we're going to have some bumps, but the bumps aren't going to linger. We're going to smooth it back out and keep rolling. You know, people forget you were prop 48. Your first year, you couldn't practice with the team. You couldn't play with the team. I remember there's an article done 
on you and you're empty, you're alone. Uh, I think Sports Illustrated did a piece on you. You're alone shooting in an arena. I bring it up because um, one, you had a really strong year that year academically, and you you stayed in college for three years. You know how it is in Memphis. Like some of the kids that you've coached in high school and in AU ball, like there's some dire poverty, and there's this sense that if kids go to Memphis and they see they got to see success immediately, and then they got to go off to the league. How do you handle that now as a college coach? How do you handle the expectations, many of them unrealistic, about the kids that you're going to recruit? Well, I do agree with you saying most of them, many of them unrealistic, but you just have to tell a kid, man, you just have to work. Allow the, allow the nation to talk about you. Don't come in saying what you're going to do. I'm one and done. I've heard so many kids say they were one and done and have to take three, four years. Uh, you can get yourself into trouble doing this. And I would hope that they would listen to me and uh, let me give them the advice on when they should go or if they could go. And just keep working on their game. If most kids like focused on working on their games and getting better versus saying what they're going to do and where they're going, they'd be much better off as players. And uh, it's tough, though, in this, in this society with kids, this generation, everybody thinks that they're one and done, and usually they're not, they're not, it's not true. No, I know. And then the other thing you run into is now all the kids in Memphis, like even the kids you coach at, at, at East High School, they're all going to just assume that you want them to play and play the same role in college college and there's all these other kids you're going to recruit how do you handle that the the look just because i used you this way in high school d- doesn't mean i'm going to use you the same way at at the university of memphis it's a little bit different deal there how do you handle those expectations well you know you just play the best players you know i don't show favoritism just because the kid is from memphis or he played for me uh that he has favoritism over a kid that we recruited from georgia or texas or florida or even California, no. It's the, the better player plays, and I tell every kid, competition is, is healthy. You go and you compete, and if you earn your minutes, you earn them. We're not going to give you anything. And, I, and most kids don't like to hear that. Their parents don't like to hear that. They want it to be given to them. They want, they want so many minutes, or my child has a start, or my kid has a start. No, not here. Uh, the way we handle that is it's fair. You go and earn everything. It's going to be fun, though, right? I mean, this is. I saw you, I saw you tour in the facility, and – and looking around, there had to be inside your brain. You had to be like, "This is sweet. I get to be the head coach of Memphis. This is awesome." Oh my God, man! This new practice facility, and I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, brag, but the, the new practice facility is, is on the internet right now with me walking through it. I, my first time in it, in the facility, uh, no stone unturned, unbelievable facility, and it's only like three months old. Uh, it's, it's only been open for like three months, and I'm the, I'm able to come in. Uh, to an unbelievable situation to even coach my alma mater, but to be in a building like this and then have my home gym be the FedEx Forum, I mean, you can't, you can't beat that. No, you, you can't beat that. Um, something weird, though, when, when Cal had it going there, it wasn't really with Memphis kids. Um, you know, it, early on he had some Memphis kids, but, you know, D. Rose and CDR, those, those guys weren't Memphis kids. Josh Pastor did a good job of getting Memphis kids. They just didn't win maybe enough games. Um, what what's the real challenge of recruiting Memphis kids and getting them to compete at a high level, not just in the AAC, but nationally? Well, the the good thing for me is that I've been in the community. I've been with these kids uh, since middle school, this generation of kids that are, that are going to be coming out of the next two or three years. And I've gotten to know them well. They've gotten to know me well. So we've been born and raised to knowing the kids, knowing the families, knowing anybody. I know who the real guys are, the guys that can really play at the level that we need here at Memphis. So I don't want to shut Memphis kids out because, you know, they're not going to reach the expectations. I know who's going to reach the expectations. And you still have to recruit nationally. I'm not just going to just 
limit myself to Memphis, but I'm not going to forget about Memphis kids either. So there has to be an even balance with uh, with it. I'm not going to, uh, you know, shut down Memphis because of, I'm trying to do nothing like what Kyle did. I feel like I have a better relationship with the with the parents, with the kids around here, and I know who's who because I'm born and raised here. Uh, are you going to bring back the Memphis State uniforms? That's that's a big question. Yes. Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm saying that. Everybody's been saying that. We're going to bring back the throwback Memphis State uniforms. We have to do it for a couple games. I, can you believe though these all the kids go in the short shorts like like we fought for years to get the shorts lengthened and now everybody wants the shorts shorter like you have to we, you, there has to be a straighten out of this thing because this this trend of the shorts getting mid thigh length this that's a bad trend. You know we fought so hard you, you're so right to try to get longer shorts we kept pulling our shorts down yeah. and <laughs> we tried to make them longer and now the kids are folding them to make them shorter it's it's, it's just crazy what's what's going on. <laughs> um. Having coached in high school but played so long in the NBA and so successfully in the NBA, one of the things I've seen in college is there's kind of a mix. A lot of the old-school college coaches, they're struggling to adjust to not just the three-point shot but to the new style kind of, of how they're playing in the NBA. Have you thought about style-wise, Do you, how, you, how you want to play? Do you want to have kind of a more NBA-style attack or more of a college-style attack? No, I want to, I want to get up and down. You know, I'm a, I'm a fast-paced guy, and then if we don't have anything, then we can set some type of motion or, or run a set. But initially, I want to run. Uh, we want to be a fast-paced team, uh, getting up and down the floor. Uh, a lot of hockey is seen from regular assists. I'm a big guy. I'm throwing the ball ahead and allowing my wings to attack downhill. Big man rim running. Uh, have a trail big, and we're, we're out and we're running. And if we don't have anything, we get into some secondary action or even get into a set. But I want the kids to be free, to have a lot of freedom. I want them to play basketball and not be micromanaging them and, 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 and coach every possession. And defensively, uh, I love West Virginia style. That's how I've always taught. I've taught that type of pressure. I don't believe in letting someone walk the ball up the court. Uh, it's almost like a slow death. You know, I don't like that. I want to dictate the tempo, and uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to allow teams to just walk it up on me for an entire game. All right, now you know they foul a lot, so you you can wheel in a lot of dudes when when uh, if you're, you're picking up full court. Penny Hardaway joining us. When was when was the the little penny campaign? When was that proposed to you? When did some when did Nike sit you down and show you that? You mean back in when I was in the league? Yeah, you, you after do my you, first year. Do you, but do you uh, remember like you remember like they came to me and said, "Hey man, we had a, a brilliant idea, which was it was brilliant that we have an alter ego to be a doll, and we'll name Little Penny, and he'll talk so much smack that you'll never have to say anything, and then he'll talk the smack for you. You just keep doing what you're doing." Uh, continue to play at a high level, and he'll do all the trash talking. And I thought that was serious, and it ended up being a huge hit. You you know that like when you walk in the door, everyone's gonna everyone's gonna want you to like you go to a recruiting visit. People are gonna all the parents, all the AU guys, everybody's just gonna talk about Little Penny. Like no, like almost your your NBA career, the fact that you were, you know, um, a four time NBA All Star, that you were third team All NBA, even you know even your great college career. Everywhere you go, they're going to talk about Little Penny just as much as they talk about how great a player you were. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's, that's a testament to Nike, and that's also a great testament to what my career was because Little Penny was a big part of my career. I don't mind them talking about Little Penny. I don't get jealous because that's a part of me. <laughs> uh, Larry Brown, will he be on the staff? I can't answer that. I can't answer that right now. I have to talk to our athletic director. I have the utmost respect for Coach Brown, one of my favorite coaches ever. And uh, I'll just have to discuss with my uh, with my athletic director. Hey, listen, I I wish you nothing but success. I can't wait to see your teams play, especially if they play up and down and guarding people more than anything. 
Uh, I'm happy for you to get a chance to steer the ship of your alma mater. Best of luck, TLC, in the recruiting trail. Yeah, thanks, Doug. All right, pleasure's mine. It's Penny Hardaway who joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs and helps to know the ins and outs of insurance, let farmers share with you the practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bring in Dan Beyer. What are your thoughts? What do you remember about Penny the Player? Oh, a lot. Him and David Vaughn teaming up in Memphis. Saw him play in the 1992 NCAA tournament. They made a Sweet 16 run that year. They lost to, I believe it was, oh gosh, now that I'm thinking. Actually, maybe it was Elite Eight. They ended up beating Georgia Tech and then lost to Cincinnati, I think, of the Elite Eight in 1992. I also remember it's the 10-year anniversary of me hitting a golf ball onto Penny Hardaway's fairway at a golf course in San Antonio at the Final Four. And yeah. ha- and was he was he cool about it? Yeah, he was cool. And it was weird, too, because it was a Nike golf ball. And, you know, heck, Penny Hardaway, Nike. It was, uh, you know, he said, is it a Nike? I said, yes, it is. And that was mine. Little little offline, Doug. Maybe kind of like Tony Romo today. Actually, Tony Romo didn't play too bad. Five over par 77 in his debut as a tournament golfer on the PGA Tour. Shoots 77, but Romo in a field of 132 right now in a tie for 130th. Elsewhere in college hoops, Dan Hurley leaving Rhode Island to be the new men's basketball coach at UConn. Well, Chris Mack and Xavier is going to interview for the Louisville job this weekend, according to the Louisville Courier-Journal. Of course, Sweet 16 rolls on tonight. Loyola in Chicago. Loyola of Chicago taking on Nevada, that is. Kansas State and Kentucky in the late game in Atlanta. While in L.A. out here, Michigan takes on Texas A&M, followed by Florida State and Gonzaga. Frank Gorsan on to one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. Giants traded defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, in the NBA, Warriors guard Steph Curry probable to play tomorrow against Atlanta. Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson won't play. And Dwight Howard not going to play tonight against Memphis. The Hornets center suspended after receiving a technical in last night's game is 16th of the season. Okay, so wait, uh, help me out here. Let me. I'm trying to bring up this golf. God, I'm trying to find the, the scores here. Because remember, the, the golf tournament that Tony Romo was playing in, it doesn't have some of the best golfers in the world because they're playing the WGC, right? Yes, that is correct. The top 64 technically, I mean, there are top players that are missing out, So, but they still have a field event in the Dominican Republic. The the Diara, as it's called. Okay, so um, who's below him? If he's at 130th and there's, there's two guys below him, I want to know who those two guys are below him. Well, Guy Boros was the one who was the only one who was – behind him at seven over par Tony Romo is at five over in the clubhouse there are a couple players on the course Brian Davis is tied with him Tony technically right now tied for 128th as Robert Gomez and DA points are at six over par they are not Robert Gomez is a good golfer what what 30 years ago Robert Gomez 20 some years ago DA points has had more success lately than Robert Gomez has but Tony Romo now tie for 128th, but he's in the clubhouse at 77. These guys have a couple of more holes to go. Guy Boros is the only one Tony Romo has beaten so far. Bryce Garnett is nine under leading the leading the tournament, right? Yeah. Yes. So Bryce Garnett, Corey Connors. Uh, boy, you have to scroll all the way down. I just that that's got to be the thing. It's like whatever you do, like you're in your head. Whatever I do, I can't finish below a former football player announcer, no matter how good a golfer that he might be. Now, Tony Tony Romo is he's in the clubhouse and Guy Boros is not going to beat him. Guy Boros is finished. He's done. He's at seven. Uh, finished with a seven seventy nine. Two shots behind him. But Guy Boros, um, I mean he's old as well. 
but still. And Tony, by the way, you they, should lose your tour card if you get if you finish below Tony. <laughs> this is golf, though. This is golf. Tony is good enough to at least compete, but maybe maybe a day putts just didn't fall for Guy Boros, and Tony had a couple of three putts as well. But yeah, you don't want to. I agree, I agree with your sentiment. You don't want to lose to Tony Romo. Jason Gore finished at seventy seven. Uh, what do I remember? Did, did, Angel Cabrera. Jason Gore is actually a Southern California kid and or guy, and he was in the. U.S. Open in 2005. He was in contention at how, Pinehurst. How good? How good is? How good is he on the golf? This is amazing. He's like, yeah, 2000, 2000. He was like Rain Man. You just did the Rain Man thing. That's what you just did. Uh, you did golf Rain Man, Buyer. Yeah, him. Buyer's and- like 2000, 2005. Definitely 2005. I gotta go watch Wapner. Jason Gore, 17. He sprayed a drive to the right, <laughs> and then he was short of the green left, and then he three jacked it, and then he was out of the tournament. Out of the tournament in 2005, definitely 2005. You rain man me. That's where Jason Gore is most known for. Uh, Retief Goosen, I think, was also playing with him in that, but uh, a tournament ended up being won by Michael Campbell. Retief Goosen, who uh, Goose won at Southern Hills, right? He won the U.S. Yeah, Open won, at Southern yeah, Hills. Yeah, 2001 and then 2004 ended up winning at Shinnecock. Shinnecock, the US yes, because he's because those are two places where you uh, the greens are incredibly difficult. Shinnecock, remember, it's when they had to water the greens. Aren't they, isn't the Open at Shinnecock this year? Yes, it is. Yes, See what it I did is. there? I kind of showed a little golf knowledge. That was a good uh, job. Remember they were watering the greens in between holes? Like, hold on, we got to water the greens. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because they're parking lots. Kevin, <laughs> it wouldn't stop. Kevin Stadler had a shot that just was a, a putt that would not hold the green and ended up rolling off, and they had to do something. Yes. USGA lost control of the greens then. Yep. So- Southern Hills is the most fun really hard golf course I've ever played. Here's what I mean. You could, I've played there and shot uh, three fig shot like 105, but I played with one ball, right? There's, I've played a lot of really tough golf courses and then you're like, well, that one's gone. Let's go back. <laughs> hey, look, there's another ball. <laughs> one, of those, one of those deals. Yeah. But you go through a sleeve, you go through a no. couple of sleeves of ball. Like that's not fun to me. It's like embarrassing. Whereas like, you know, it's look, it's, it, it takes a long time. And some, and some shot creativity, but Southern Hills in Tulsa, um, you get to, when you ever get to play it, it's awesome because you, you, it's one ball. You cannot. There's only a couple holes to which you have to really, really miss to hit it on the street. Outside of that, it, you're going to play with one ball. And yeah, Doug, it's easy to rack up a high score when you're hitting it in the water and losing golf balls and adding penalty strokes. It shows you how difficult a course can be. I when, don't think there's any you know. water at Southern Hills. No, either. but that's the point. Right. Like you played with just one ball. Didn't lose any. It shows how difficult it can be. You know, sometimes you can get a nine because you put a couple in the drink, but well, you can get there. It's it can be so thick. You know, you hit it when it's where it's thick, and you're and and you know you just try and power through mm-hmm. it. You have no idea where the ball is going. You have no idea what the distance is going to be of a shot. Uh, but I I honestly had a great time playing there. Whereas there's other courses I've played. I mean, look, Oklahoma State's course is a aesthetically. Uh, a more beautiful course than Southern Hills. It's, you know, it's Stillwater. It's, it's an incredible, and it's longer and it's hard, but it's not that much fun because it's, when it gets windy, you got, it's so long, you got no shot. And then if you hit it off the, you hit it off the fairway, you hit it in the, into the sticks, you know, you're fighting black snakes. You're like, no thanks, pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, you go, you go in there and you one. hear the rattle and you're like, nah, I'm not, I'm just, I'll take the penalty. Take the penalty. No such, no such thing. Yeah. And this rain stops. Need to get out. Did you guys see Jason Pierre-Paul was uh, was traded earlier today? 
Um, Jason Pierre-Paul had the, you know, his, his cap hit was $12.5 million, which would have made him sixth highest among linebackers. Would have been the, 13, the third highest paid player on the team. The Giants have just one player from their two, 2010 to 2014 draft class is still on the roster. That's Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, like, look, the reason Jerry Reese lost his job wasn't because OBJ got hurt, but because they just didn't have a good enough team and they had some bad contracts. But the JPP thing is, is fascinating to me. Remember, of course, he blew off a couple of his digits and fireworks. That's what he'll forever be known for. More interesting is in the contract. And like, look, this is Dave Gettleman who was with the Giants previously, then went down to the Carolina Panthers. And he comes up and he's like, this is not my guy. It's not my style. And that contract is untenable. And so it's, it's, a, it's a good piece of business advice that I got from a friend a long time ago, which is this, is careful of taking the contract that takes people, shakes people upside down for money. Here's a famous broadcaster, fa- famous elite broadcaster, who um, at one point was probably the king of all broadcasters and still went on to have a very good career, but he lost his job like three years later. It wasn't because of that contract negotiation, because the three years previous contract negotiation where he tried to get every last dollar. Sometimes it's better off to leave a little bit on the table. And look, I have that problem with eating dinner. I go out to eat dinner, and one of my biggest issues, my wife and I used to have this great thing, Ramos, where we would do, she would order an entree. I, I mean, she would order a dessert. Um, yeah, she would order an entree, and I would order a salad, like a, a d- dinner salad. And I eat most of the salad to fill up and then kind of finish off parts of her entree. She didn't, doesn't dig salad, but she'd eat a little bit of it. And we just share. That was our, our thing. But, you know, that was also when we didn't have a ton of money and we were, you know, now sometimes you'll go out with friends and everybody order entree. My thing is this, my problem when I go to restaurants is I want to eat. I, I want to feel like I got my money's worth. Even if somebody else picks up the tab, I don't want to be the guy that didn't. Hey, I bought you a $50 steak and you didn't eat all of it. Right? Sometimes it's better if you leave a little bit there. A little, little, little meat on the bone. It's the same thing in negotiations. Right? Like sometimes players are so concerned with, back-end dollars, what it looks like in the next couple of years. Like, you know what? That's the kind of things that get you cut. I mean, that's what happened to Jordy Nelson, right? Jordy Nelson's $9.5 million, $9.5 million cap hit had to go. Love him in Green Bay. Look, we love you, dude. But $9.5 million cap hit, can't do that. JPP, love you, dude. $12.5 million cap hit, can't do that. Not at this point in your career. And you're not even the guy of the general manager that's there. Is Sam Darnold overrated because he went to USC? Clay Travis thinks so. Give you my thoughts. Next. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. <clears throat> Every day at this time, we'd like to play for you a portion of a radio show or TV show heard earlier on Fox Sports Radio. Any of our affiliates are on X, Sirius XM Channel 83. We call it. And now. Clay Travis hosts a show called Outkick the Coverage. It's on 6 to 9 Eastern Time, 3 to 6 Pacific Time. That's AM on Fox Sports Radio. He had this to say about Sam Donald the day after his uh, much-lauded pro day. 
there's a long collection of USC quarterbacks who have bombed, right? Guys who you thought, hey, this is going to be a great quarterback, and they haven't actually panned out. Here's the collection of drafted USC quarterbacks in what looks to be like the last 35 years, basically. Are you ready for this list? Carson Palmer, Matt Leinart, Matt Barkley, Rob Johnson, Matt Castle, Rodney Pete, Pat Hayden, John David Booty, Cody Kessler, Sean Salisbury, Paul McDonald, Vince Evans, Mark Sanchez, and now Sam Darnold. Of that list, of that list of USC quarterbacks, I would say that Carson Palmer is probably the most accomplished. To me, when you look at that list, is it not fair to ask, are USC quarterbacks getting an SC bump? SC is the straw that stirs the drink, certainly for the last 20 years when there's been no NFL team. But even before that, Southern California is the glitz and glamour program when it comes to football in the nation's second largest media market. And so when I run through that list of quarterbacks that have been drafted into the NFL, is there not an argument to be made that the quarterbacks that have been drafted from SC have been overrated relative to the fact that they actually went to Southern Cal? Hmm. It's an interesting thought or an interesting theory. Um, okay, like, <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, it, it has, I don't believe it has to do with the SC bump, uh, so to speak. L- let's take UCLA, for example. Not the same football school as USC. They have Troy Aikman. They also have Cade McGowan. He was a bust. Tommy Maddox, mostly a bust. Um, uh, what's my man's name with the Green Bay, was with the Green Bay Packers, Brett, Brett Hundley, who hasn't ever lived up. And then you have Josh Rosen, right? Like is Josh Rosen the last bunch of guys from UCLA or is he Troy Aikman? I've never really understood the association between a player and the school. Now I have understood it when it's the same coaching staff and the same coaching style. Like, like, here's the example. John Beeline's the head coach in Michigan. And I think John Beeline's as good a coach as there is in the country. I mean that. And I think his players become wildly overrated because they look great and play great and play in the NCAA, deep into the NCAA tournament. And when you play deep in the NCAA tournament, NBA people are like, well, I kind of, I guess I like him more than I thought I liked him. Trey Burke's a perfect example. Glenn Robinson III is a perfect example. You know, if anyone, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a guy who was kind of maligned and, of course, has probably surprised people with how good he's been even after the contract he signed, which seemed ridiculous with the New York Knicks. There's been plenty of busts coming out of John Beeline's system, as opposed to if I went through Michigan, been great players come out of Michigan. When Pete Carroll was there, it probably would have been a more fair statement to make because there was such, like, look, Matt Leinart, it was he that good or was it the system, college football, and the surrounding talent? It's really hard to tell. Because Matt Leiner was great. But remember, Matt Leiner was not a, a super heavily recruited guy. He did not have a great arm. He just won a ton of games in college and was deadly accurate. And so he didn't have the arm strength in the NFL to make some of those same plays and never really got comfortable. When he did with Arizona, then he got hurt. So I don't like the he played at the same school as guys that weren't that good at quarterbacks and they were overhyped because of L.A. The overhyped because of L.A. thing I don't, I don't really get. If anything, if anything, 
Sam Darnold is more impressive because this USC coach and this USC coaching staff, by all accounts, not terribly impressive. You put him in a situation where he's playing with a, a better coach team. He doesn't have to make as many plays on the fly, and he's probably more refined and turns the ball over less. They would have been terrible this year if not for Sam Darnold. And last year they were terrible until Sam Darnold took over. He just happens to be the quarterback USC. Ah! What does the fuck say? It's an interesting question, right? Does 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 the brand SC raise his status? Maybe it raised his uh, the initial awareness of Sam Darnold. Which is why you go to a USC. But look around the country and Aaron Rodgers, Cal, Tom Brady, Michigan, Matt Stafford, Georgia. I mean, they all went to different schools. There's a hard, it's hard to find the correlation between school and players or styles. You got to get the Hooters, try the new smoke wings, a whole new way to crave wings with all the taste and half the calories. You can eat twice as many at Hooters. We are hours away from the Sweet 16. Hours. This weekend changes. It, it's a completely different tournament in the Sweet 16 than it is in 64 or in 32. It just is. I'll explain it to you having been a part of it and watching it, give you my thoughts on it. That upcoming next in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I got a lot to tell you, a lot to talk about. I want to talk about the Sweet 16 in a moment. Um, th- there's this, this, this story out of San Antonio is super, super interesting to me, but it's more interesting not because of the story out of San Antonio, but because it's a story out of San Antonio. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if Kawhi Leonard is going to play any more today than he was yesterday. I don't really know. Uh, do I think Adrian Wojnarowski missed on the story? Probably not, although... Technically, he's not actually reporting the story as much as Michael C. Wright, who works underneath kind of his umbrella. So Woj writes the story. Spurs hold players only meeting to implore Kawhi Leonard to return. That's the headline. But then he goes on to say that uh, Spurs guard Tony Parker, four-time NBA All-Star quarterback, the meeting after the team's victory over Minnesota on Saturday night. Non-players were asked to leave the locker room, a source told Michael C. Wright. In other words, there's a little bit of game of telephone here. And that doesn't mean that any of the story is incorrect, but it can be made more and more and more pronounced. Uh, Ramos and Bayer are both married. Music's essentially married. He's been with the same girl for over a year. They're going on trips to Hawaii together. You know, he turned vegan because of her. He actually, I mean, all this stuff. He really only has a beard because she says grow a beard or else. She has like a Kenny Rogers thing, right? At some point, the beard's going to become silver and so will his hair. And he'll start singing the gambler, humming the gambler every day. Anyway, anyone who has a significant other that's a woman knows there's a word that actually doesn't mean anything bad but can be taken to mean something really awful. Fine. How are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. 
Right? How are you? Fine. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Can I get you something to drink? No, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. Like, fine is a completely neutral. It, it means fine. I'm okay. It actually means I'm good. But she didn't say I'm good. She said I'm fine. She didn't say I'm okay. She said I'm fine. Fine can be, what do you mean fine? And I use that because just because they might have been speaking loudly and just because there might have been a players only meeting does not necessarily mean that they were yelling at Kawhi and because because when you hear players only meeting players call telling Kawhi Leonard to play automatically like, oh, they think he's soft and they're telling him he's soft and dude, you better get out back out here and play because we need you and we know you're not hurt. Right. Isn't that the. Isn't that the kind of the hoops that your mind mentally goes through? Players, like, you don't ever tell me about my money. Don't ever tell me about my, like, don't say anything about my girl or my wife or whatever, my family, my kids. And players don't usually talk about whether or not somebody's hurt or not hurt. So when you hear they talked in a locker room loudly about Kawhi Leonard, reportedly's injury, you automatically think, oh, well, they think he's not hurt. And he should be playing. And they're essentially calling him either a faker or soft. But that's us trying to, that's uh, me, me reading. My wife said she was fine. And assuming I know what the answer is, that's a bad way to do it. Because this is a story that's written by a writer who's, who's taking the word for it from another writer who was actually there but not in the room and got it from a source. Like, things can be taken completely out of context. And Danny Green called him out as such. And we've had others. Danny Green saying couldn't be any more inaccurate, LOL. There were other players that said the same. I tend to believe the reporter. I tend to believe the sources. I tend to believe that there probably was a meeting. It was players only. They did discuss Kawhi Leonard's injury. I don't know if it was imploring him to play or just... It's just kind of a fact-finding mission. But once it becomes a game of telephone, it's like somebody saying fine. Unless I heard them say fine and saw their facial reaction and the context of where they said fine, the sentence and how they said fine, and do they use fine to describe things that are good or bad? Some people say things are fine. I'm fine. She fine. Oh, she's fine. Right? Fine's a good word. Some people are like, fine, fine. And it's really a bad word. So I don't know. What I do know is it's really interesting because this is the Fort Knox of the NBA. This is the Patriots of the NBA. And in the same year to which we had some dysfunction within the Patriots, Malcolm Butler, Rob Gronkowski saying it's not fun, trading away Jimmy Garoppolo for like nothing. Now we got meat on the bone to talk about with the San Antonio Spurs. That's interesting. Sweet 16 tonight. And look, the first weekend is generally about the upset, especially the first night's about the upset. The first day, I think a lot of teams play with a ton of pressure. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be Virginia, right? You don't want to be Arizona. You don't want to be Michigan State and get beat early, although Michigan State got beaten second. But generally, the first weekend, the first game, very pressure-filled, and it's embarrassing to lose in a first round if you're an elite team. Second weekend, it's not the same amount of pressure. It's much, it, and it's weird because 
There's a lot more buildup to it, but there's not the pressure to it because if you lose, you lost the Sweet 16. Right? Even if you're Nevada and you lose to Loyola Chicago, you got to a Sweet 16, doesn't really matter. If you're Syracuse and you get beaten by Duke, you lost in the Sweet 16. It's really interesting on how, because Sweet 16s now are like Final Fours 25 years ago in terms of the amount of attention they get in most of these individual cities. But let's say just for, for a sec, just for giggles, Purdue loses, Michigan loses. Michigan won the Big Ten tournament. Huge expectations. Some people had them going to a Final Four. Let's say they lose to Texas A&M. Like, ah, they got to a Sweet 16. It's weird because you can get upset. Duke, for example, is, uh, I think, 11 and a half, even a 12-point favorite in some books over Syracuse, a team they beat by 16 earlier this year. Duke gets beat by Syracuse, and even though Syracuse was the last team in the field based upon the, the rankings they released after they released the field, he's still like, yeah, he lost the Sweet 16. And that, does, is that fascinating to anybody else? Uh, the other thing that I find I find interesting is that the games are at Staples Center, where the Lakers play in L.A. And we've had Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight games there before. I live in law. We live in Los Angeles. We live in Los Angeles. Do you guys? Is there any hype over these games at all? Like it's it's one of those things. I I think the one big city you can go to. And you get the hype, some hype when you play the NCAA tournament there is New York City. They do seem to care. When they had the Sweet 16 Elite Eight there, it was kind of a big thing. But it's, it's weird. One of those is like, well, we got to get to L.A. That's a big market. They're in L.A. They're in Atlanta. They're in Boston. And they're in Omaha. And I kind of feel like Omaha is the perfect market for this sort of this, this sort of event. Omaha loves the College Baseball World Series. Omaha will be packed to the gills. By the way, Omaha is, I mean, you got Kansas there. It's right down the road from Kansas City. You got Syracuse and Duke. Oh, and you got Clemson, too. Um, the one in Boston's good because you got Nova, but West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Purdue, like, eh. Atlanta, you got Kentucky. That's Catlanta, they call it. But, you know, look. Gonzaga in L.A. should be a bigger thing, but it's not really. I'm not doing a uh, man-on-the-street poll, but it is interesting on how you can get in these big markets and kind of have the opposite of the attendant effect. Like, I don't, I'm going to watch it, but I don't know anybody else is like, hey, let's watch party, Sweet 16 tonight. Music, you, you uh, listen, you know, you and Ramos, you guys listen to sports radio trying to find the stuff for what did the Fox say? How much hype do you think there is over the Sweet 16 in town? For L.A. specifically, none. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with something that we kind of talked about at the end of last week or maybe earlier this week. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Pac-12 has no footing. Uh, you know, USC missed the tournament entirely. UCLA lost in that first play-in game. And then all of the other teams that I think people in LA could have gravitated towards as members of schools that they've would have played against. I mean, there's essentially after the first weekend, all of them were gone and I know LA is a transplant city, but that's, 
there aren't that many college diehard fans here as much as they are transplants of like other professional teams. It, it, it feels like the opposite of New York in New York. Uh, in New York, there are a lot of college transplant and some it's like it's a lot of big 10 people move to if it was if it was the University of Arizona, I think it would be big. Arizona, of course, has lost a bunch of times to the pond in Anaheim, which is in Orange County. That's a big USC and Arizona kind of hotbed. Also UCLA as well. Dan Beyer. I was going to say, Doug, when you mentioned Arizona and to what Ryan was mentioning, seven years ago at Honda Center in Anaheim, you had Arizona and San Diego State making it to the Sweet 16 with Duke and UConn being there. And while Duke and UConn maybe didn't have the biggest of followings just because of the travel and the size of the schools, I mean, it was electric to see the Arizona fans cheering on Derek Williams in that Duke game. And the San Diego State fans were out there. But really, how many options does the West Coast have to bring an electric atmosphere with the top teams of the West Coast? What, maybe four? Arizona, UCLA, Gonzaga. Um, well, UNLV, you know, I mean, UNLV used to be, you know, used to be big, yeah, but just, not anymore. But I just don't think that there are a lot of options for, like, West Coast regionals if those schools aren't any good to to grab any electricity. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard one. It's, a, it's actually a very, very hard one. Yeah. Um, Maybe the new the new Warriors Arena eventually becomes a home one. I look, I still think you do it in Vegas. Like, I understand that the NCAA is like, man, we got all this. We want to separate gambling from the kids, and I got it. I understand. Like, you want the games to be on the up and up, but I feel like I feel like we keep tiptoeing around it. And I'm not a legalized gambling everywhere guy. I just think there's unintended consequences. The people in Vegas know what they're doing. Those, they know what they're doing. And I know there is plenty of illegal gambling that takes place. And, you know, this is like the drug legalization guy, right? Legalize drugs. And that way it cuts out the illicit illegal drug suppliers. Like, yeah, but it doesn't, it's not really the message that we want to send. I don't know. I just, I feel like tiptoeing around whether or not we, uh, we have games in Vegas. That, that's a, Let's just have it in Vegas. Vegas is a destination. It would be a big thing in Vegas. And everybody would be psyched to go to Vegas. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs, it helps to know the ins and outs of insurance. Let farmers share with you practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find agentfarmers.com. We are farmers. Is Sam Donald a lock to go to Cleveland at number one? Who are the Jets trying to trade up, or who do the Jets trade up to try and get? We'll take you to both Cleveland and New York. That upcoming next, but first, ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way for you to find your next employee. So what they did was, well, they revolutionized these invitations to help help you find your next hire. What ZipRecruiter does is they learned uh, what you're looking for. They identify people with the right experience and they invite them to apply for your job. 80% of employers who post their job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within just one day. They even spotlight the strongest applicants uh, applications you receive so you never miss a great match. And remember, the right candidates for your job are out there. ZipRecruiter knows how to find them. Look, unemployment is down and that's a good thing for the country, but a bad thing if you're hiring. But if you use ZipRecruiter, 
There's still plenty of great people, whether they're unemployed or employed in other positions, and they want and fit your job. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Quick question. Okay, three options. Go to the games in a suite with some buddies. Go home, watch the games on the couch, kids running around. But here's a, there's actually an added bonus to it. We have some friends in town from Portland. So, uh, and the kids love ball. But, you know, like one of the things is when it's just your kids, like sometimes the kids like, can, we, can I watch... Uh, uh, Teen Titans go like, no, we're watching basketball games. No. And it's raining outside, so blanket, couch, basketball does not sound like a bad thing. Or go with a buddy to, uh, I don't know how to describe it other than a country club that doesn't have golf. Like, really nice, really good food, really good company, interesting people, and watch the games while having really good food that I'm not paying for. Rank uh, what you would do, one, two, or three. Um uh, yeah, go ahead, Deb, music. Uh, I would say the free, nice food at a nice place, one. Two would be in the suite, and three would be with your lovely, beautiful family. Love my family, though. But I could also watch some of the games tomorrow. Uh, coaching flag football tomorrow. Head coach is uh, called. He's actually in Hawaii. So I'm going to uh, play calling tomorrow. We'll run an oop-de-oop. Spread them all out, throwing the football all the time, flag football tomorrow. Ramos, uh, one, two, or three, what would you do? I would flip the first. I would do sweet and the game all day. That would be so much fun. Then the nice place, and then your kid, your family would be last, yes. You guys hate your family. No! <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Lucas is always saying, like, Dad, can I put on YouTube? I'm like, no, I'm watching the baseball one game. One thing is, like, Hayes has gotten into watching hoop. And then his buddy, these two buddies, his buddies are like, they really, really, really want to watch Hoop. They, but I mean, they'd love to go. I just don't know if I could get them all tickets. They're actually, his friends are at Disneyland right now. Poor kids. Poor That's... kids. Dan Byer, what, what would you do? Uh, Dan, what, what... Dan, you have you have three choices. Okay. Watch Now, remember, I, the one thing about watching these games in the suite, normally I would be, I'd want to be courtside. But because there are other, there's another game going on at the same time or other games going on at the same time, Actually, just other game. Other game going at the same time. You, you kind of want to be in the suite tonight. So in the suite at Staples. Um, at home, kids. But kids are occupied, and it's taco taco night at home. And I def- Sorry, I forgot to mention the taco night. Tacos are big in my house. And then uh, option three is, I guess I'll describe it as a country club without golf. Like, really cool setup, nice chairs, smells of rich mahogany. Good food, drinks, adult conversation, both games up on nice TVs. One, two, three, what would your choice be? Well, I wouldn't go to Florida State Gonzaga if they were playing in my home. So I would go home with the family, number one. (laughs) I would go, I guess, um, if the suite doesn't have TVs, I'd put that last because I would want to know what else is happening. It's the suite of Staples. Okay, Okay. so then game and suite two and then country club three. But at home, 
Home is where the heart is. That's number one on That's my list. That's the only guy without kids, right? No kids. You have, you have no kids. You're like, oh, yeah, you want to go home. <laughs> you, have, you don't have children. Let's get the damn by with the update. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tough options there. Sweet 16 does get going in less than two hours. Loyal of Chicago takes on Nevada in Atlanta. The second game there, Kansas State taking on Kentucky. None, by the way, none of those games sound appealing at all. No. Michigan-Texas A&M game one in L.A. Florida State taking on Gonzaga in game two tonight. Dan Hurley's going to leave Rhode Island to be the new men's basketball coach at UConn. The Louisville Courier-Journal says Xavier coach Chris Mack will meet with Louisville officials on Saturday about the school's coaching vacancy. Some news from the NFL. Frank Gore signed a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins, so the running back will go for season number 14 in his career. The Giants traded defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul to the Buccaneers. Well, the Giants sent Pierre-Paul in a fourth rounder to Tampa. The Giants will get a third and fourth round pick in return. Free agent safety Eric Reed said today that he doesn't plan on protesting during the national anthem in the 2018 season. Warriors guard Steph Curry probable to go tomorrow against the Hawks, while Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson will sit out. And our Tony Romo update now tied for 127th. As he's moving up the leaderboard by not playing, still at plus five, but there are two players now worse than him, tied with a bunch of others in the 132-player field, Doug. Sounds like you need a gal. Hey! Hey! I got a gal. All right, so the, the Cleveland Browns are the number one, the number four pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Jimmy Haslam, who's their owner, was uh, in attendance yesterday for Sam Donald's pro day. should be pointed out that Josh Rosen had a pro day the day before, so it's not like he made the trip out just for one guy, one moment. But I point out, look, they they got a quarterback for this year, and Darnold is only 20 years old. He's only started a year in three quarters. There's going to be some development there that's going to be needed before he plays, and that's why uh, starting Tyrod Taylor this year seems to make some sense for John Dorsey. But you know who would know? Mary Kay Cabot would know. Uh, she's our gal in Cleveland. She does a great job covering the Browns beat. Follow her on Twitter, at Mary Kay Cabot, or read her work at cleveland.com. Mary Kay, should we look into Jimmy Haslam being at Sam Donald's Pro Day, talking with Ma and Pa Donald? You know what? No, I don't think so. Like you said, you know, they went out there. They also uh, did a private workout with, with Josh Rosen yesterday. They're on the move this week. They're with Baker Mayfield today. Uh, then they'll see Josh Allen tomorrow. So, no, I don't think too much should be read into that. All right. Should we read something into Tyrod Taylor uh, being acquired? Meaning they need to. Get, they know they want to draft a quarterback, but they want to develop the guy, and that would change. You know, it feels like Rosen's more ready to play. Maybe even Baker Mayfield's more ready to play than Josh Allen or Sam Darnold would be. Well, you know what? Yeah, I think you can read something into that. Tyrod Taylor will start this season. There's no question about that. Hugh says it's not a competition. So you can actually go ahead and take someone that needs a year or two to develop. Uh, I also think what that means is they will try to find someone with a similar skill set. Now, does that necessarily mean Baker Mayfield? No, because Sam can run like that, and so can Josh Allen. Hmm. Um, what about number four? Um, like I, I, th- I feel like they're going to draft a quarterback at one because they've because they've passed on drafting quarterbacks before. Is that, a, is that a fair assessment that, you know what, maybe they don't want to draft a quarterback at one, but they're going to have to because they passed on Carson Wentz, among others, uh, drafting, drafting high previously? Yeah, you know, I think they have to take a quarterback at number one, not just because they have passed on Wentz and Watson and guys like that, um, but because they have the number one overall pick, and this is a very rich class, and there's just no way 
that they can uh, you know that they can pass on another quarterback like that. All right, what about four? What are you hearing? Well, you know, I do actually think they probably will stay at number four. Uh, you know, unless someone knocks their socks off with the with the offer that they cannot refuse. Uh, but you know, if you have an opportunity to get at number one the best quarterback in the draft and then turn around and get the best pass rusher in the draft, that say Bradley Chubb. You know, I think that would look pretty attractive. Mm, that's fantastic stuff. Mary Kay Cabot does great work. She's going to be super, super busy getting ready for the NFL draft, which, by the way, this year is on Fox as well as the NFL Network. ESPN has it as well. But she has all the lowdown on what's going on in C-Town. Mary Kay, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, it's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Interesting if they want somebody who can run around back there the way that Tyshawn, uh, Tyrod, Tyshawn, Tyrod Taylor, Tyshawn Taylor is a former uh, – Kansas player, the way that uh, Tyrod Taylor runs around back there. I do think it means you're not going to draft Rosen, that you want to develop a guy, and there are developmental guys, and I think Darnold and Allen are your most developmental guys, as opposed to Baker Mayfield. Mayfield may go super early. He may go high as, he may go to the Jets at three. That's possible. But uh, to me, it it feels like, um, it, it feels a lot like, They've decided they want to develop Sam Darnold. They want to develop Josh Allen. Excuse me. They want to develop Josh Rosen or I mean, it's Sam Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. And that's the way they want to go. I got a guy. Uh, Manish Mehta is an NFL columnist for the New York Daily News. The Daily News, of course, had a story out yesterday, I believe it was, that the Jets tried to acquire the number one overall pick before settling on the number three pick. Manish, who did they want at one? Um, in their effort to trade up? Well, look, they gauged uh, all of the teams ahead of them in the draft back in January in in Mobile. So I think it was more about a fact-finding mission, determining what it would ultimately take to move up from the number six spot. And, uh, you know, realistically speaking, John Dorsey wasn't going to move that unless a team offered him something outrageous. Uh, Who they want? Well, I can tell you that there's a clear division uh, among the three top guys in their eyes, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and Sam Darnold, and everybody else. So I know there's a big four in some people's eyes when you include Baker Mayfield, but my understanding is that the Jets clearly would be happy with one of the first three guys I mentioned, and that's why they felt they needed to get up into at least the top three to assure one of those guys. Uh, Everyone gets gun-shy because they've made mistakes in the past. Hackenberg's inaccuracies, does does that make them gun-shy about Josh Allen? That's a fair question because, uh, you know, two strong young quarterbacks, uh, sub-60% completion rate in their college careers. Uh, Believe it or not, Christian Hackenberg is actually more accurate than Josh Allen. But I think when you look at it a little bit deeper, Josh Allen's supporting cast specifically in this uh, past season really, uh, you know, wasn't anything to write home to mom about. Uh, Now, that being said, 56% is still 56%. So even with a good supporting cast, how much better would he have been? Uh, That's a fair question, but there is a lot of physical... Uh, tools there, uh, probably more so than some of the other guys. Uh, my understanding, however, is that if you're looking for a guy you think can absolutely be uh, a difference maker in this league, barring injury, I think the two guys uh, you know that I've heard time and time again over the last several months are uh, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. And not, not to slight Josh Allen, but just from a football IQ standpoint, I think the two smartest guys in this draft uh, from a football standpoint are Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. Uh, Sam Darnold is extremely football smart as well. And, and, again, I don't want to slight Josh Allen, but everything I have heard about how these guys do on the board 
Josh Allen is uh, just a tick below these other guys. I've heard the exact same thing from NFL. The, the literally, uh, uh, literally, almost word for word in terms of how you're how you're um, how you're placing these guys around. It feels that's why it feels more and more like Josh Rosen is that guy, right? And I, he's a big city guy. Honestly, being Jewish, I don't think. Although I think he's actually an atheist, but he's born Jewish. Like I don't think that. I don't think his last name. I think it helps him in New York. And I, I and I kind of think his personality, his hey, you know, like I don't care if I go number one. I want somebody who wants me. The kind of the utter on it. If he feels like a jet kind of guy, am I, am I painting uh, too obvious a picture when maybe it it it's not it's not that clear cut. Well, I love his personality, and look, I don't know him particularly well, but just speaking to people around him and then people who have studied him over the last couple of years, I like everything about him. I don't think New York would be daunting in the least bit. But ultimately, the, the question that matters the most is, can he play? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. I mean, he is the best pocket passer in this draft. He is the guy who isn't necessarily the most mobile guy, uh, that, but that's okay because he can decipher defenses. He can break down defenses really at this stage of his career better than any of these other guys that we're talking about. If I were drafting number one, I probably would take Sam Darnold only because I think that physical skill set and this innate ability to kind of escape pressure when things collapse around him makes him a potentially special player. But after that, Josh Rosen would be my guy. I would take Rosen over Allen, over certainly over uh, Baker Mayfield as well. So if the Jets can get Josh Rosen at three, I think parting with those three second-round draft picks to move up from number six would be well worth it. Okay, so then here's the question. They have two other quarterbacks under contract, right? They got Teddy and, uh, and they got um, uh, uh, Josh, McCown, Josh McCown, who started for them last year. Is their plan to try and, look, if they get Rosen – See how quickly he they can get him ready, and whenever he's ready, then maybe use Teddy Teddy Bridgewater as trade bait, kind of like what the Philadelphia Eagles did. Well, it's interesting because Teddy Bridgewater's contract is a one year deal. He only had five hundred thousand dollars guaranteed at signing, so there is no uh, you know, guarantee or lock that Teddy Bridgewater will be on the Week One roster. They want to see how this rookie performs in training camp in the preseason. They're going to put Josh McCown on ice like they did last preseason. They don't want to risk any kind of injury for an injury-prone, soon-to-be 39-year-old. So he's not going to play much in the preseason. They're going to get a healthy look at the rookie and Teddy Bridgewater. But this is really about the rookie. If the rookie, as you said, you know, develops and shows enough promise where they think that he is going to be ready to play in an NFL game week one, whether that's as a starter or a backup, then Bridgewater becomes expendable, and they won't have him on the roster. He won't get the remaining five-plus million dollars on his deal. So even though on paper it's a one-year, six-million-dollar deal, for all intents and purposes, it's really a $500,000 summer audition here because, uh, you know, if he is not playing particularly well, and what I thought was troubling yesterday was that he did not come out and say that he will be ready for OTAs in another couple months. And, you know, the health of his knee is a, is a real concern. I know he played a couple snaps at the end of last year for Minnesota, but uh, nobody really knows what you're going to get out of him. You know, he's a young player with a pedigree. But, again, I think this is really about the rookie, whether it's Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. I would expect it to be one of those two guys. If that guy shows the coaching staff that he is ready, uh, don't be surprised if he's starting week one and Teddy Bridgewell's out of the equation and you have Josh McCown as the number two veteran backup. Last thing, Manish. Um, is it crazy for me to think I understand you need a quarterback, you're in New York, you go for it, you move up three spots, you do whatever it takes. But those second-round picks, this is a team that was at a talent deficit as opposed to the rest of the league. 
Um, I feel like they needed those picks. You know, those second round picks, those are potential starters. What's your sense of if they went too far all in just to move up three spots? Well, they were desperate. You know, this wasn't plan A. Plan A was to sign Kirk Cousins and they used the draft capital to give help to Kirk Cousins with the number six pick and with the two second round picks and to replenish their roster much like what Chris Ballard is now doing in Indianapolis by collecting these additional picks. But they didn't get Kirk Cousins, so they pivoted quickly, and this is year four now of the Mike McCagnin, Todd Bowles regime, so they don't necessarily have the luxury of time to put off the quarterback situation until 2019. They would hope that they're not going to be picking in the top five or top six again, and uh, you know, by, by all accounts, this is a relatively deep quarterback class with potentially three, maybe four starters at, you know, at the NFL level. So you've got to take your shot now. They wanted to get Cousins. It didn't happen. I don't think that they could have uh, stonewalled anymore. Uh, ownership, management, the coaching staff, they all want to find an answer, and they think that they're close enough and high enough in the draft where they can get one of these guys who they believe can be a franchise quarterback for the next decade plus. Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News does a great job covering covering the NFL. Thanks so much for joining us, Manish. Thanks, Doug. Take care. So you needed a guy? I'm a point guard. We got you a guy. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs, it helps to know the ins and outs of insurance. Let farmers share with you practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. You know it. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Former MVP is making his return. I'll tell you about it next. You got to get to Hooters. Try the new smoke wings. It's a whole new way to crave wings. With all the taste and half the calories, you can eat twice as many at Hooters. The Press. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs, it helps to know the ins and outs of insurance. Let farmers share with you practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. Dan Byer, what's in the press? Well, Johnny Manziel was in San Diego taking part at the University of San Diego Pro Day today, and he was considered a special guest, but did throw to receivers with about 12 to 13 teams in attendance. I mean, I think I've changed drastically. I obviously had to hit a a series of lows to get to a point where I feel comfortable um, in my own skin, in my own life, and with where I'm at, so... Um, a lot has changed personally and what I've learned about myself and what I've learned about life through the highs and the lows. So I don't necessarily think I would be where I am today without going through some of the harder stuff. But, you know, I feel like I'm a better person because of it, even if it, you know, it derailed where I wanted to do for a while. Johnny football! Yeah, Johnny football! Rooting for him or against him? Be honest. Um, rooting for him. What do you think he ultimately is if he gets a shot? I don't think that uh, he'll, he'd just be a backup. I mean, that's that's it. That's it. What about you, Ramos? For him or against him? Yeah, I'm for him. I, people get another shot, so go for it. What about you, Music? I think there are a few other quarterbacks I'd like to see get a chance before him. Yeah, my my thing is I I knew this was – I had Cliff Kingsbury on. He's his head coach. He was his, his offense coordinator at – at a and And his first year at Texas Tech, I had Cliff Kingsbury on. I asked him about Manziel, and he was like, you know, if, if he really gets in the film room, he's still a player at a really buys into getting in the film room, working on his craft, I think he could be special. When I heard that immediately, I knew 
I knew he was a party guy. Knew it, knew it, knew it. And um, I think it's really hard to think you cannot do the homework for a couple of years and then all of a sudden start acing tests. Yeah. All he has to do is just uh, do the hard stuff, that uh, the stuff that you don't want to do to become a professional. Yep. Um, other NFL notes, running back Frank Gore sent a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. It'll be his 14th season in the National Football League. One? Yeah, yeah he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's a Hall of Good, right? I mean, he, he's been with a lot of good teams, been really productive, almost had 1,000 yards rushing last year at like 87 years old. But this is a comeback to Miami. They're trying to change the culture of Miami, and Frank Gore is a guy who uh, is really well-respected for getting more out of his body than maybe any running back before him. The Giants traded defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, also a fourth-round pick going to the Bucs in exchange for a third- and fourth-round pick. Uh, I, I mean, that, that comes down to the money that he's uh, – he was a $12.5 million cap hit. Yeah. And – they're going to tra- try and change from a 4-3 to a 3-4, I believe. And he just doesn't fit. He was never as good since he lost that digit. And he's competitive as hell. Yeah, okay, he is. So is Steph Curry. And he's coming back from his sprained ankle, missing the last six games. Curry will return tomorrow night against the Atlanta Hawks. But the team holding out Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson. Some dealing with soreness, others dealing with injuries. But at least Steph, at least Steph Curry is back for the Warriors. I think they like that two seed. I think they know that's what they're going to get. I think they're trying to be healthy. The question is, can they turn it on? Can they be – remember the clapper? Remember, clap on, clap yep. up. Can they be team clapper and just go and start playing? We'll find out. Steve Curry. How about this from women's hoops? UConn women's basketball coach Gina Oriyama coming to the defense of one of his former players and assistant coaches. Jamel Elliott was fired as Cincinnati's women's coach after nine years. Oriyama tweeted out, positively disgraceful that Elliott was let go at Cincinnati. Anyone interested in that job would be well advised to do their homework. End quote. I bring it up, Doug, because it's interesting to see a Head coach talk against another program in the public eye. Like life happens. Yeah, I mean, I, that that never happens. That absolutely positively never happens. That you talk about it now, having played for him, um, they end up finishing what nineteen and thirteen, I believe, which yeah. is not terrible. Their not first back to back winning seasons in like thirteen years, I think it was. Yeah, that strikes me as odd. And unless she did something wrong, to, like it's like women's basketball, you can do it kind of forever, and if you're just above average, you're fine. Hasta la vista. I just think it's interesting. I think in his in his stature will also carry his words no will question. carry weight. Dan Hurley leaving Rhode Island to be the new men's basketball coach at Connecticut, getting a six-year deal. That's pretty cool. It is really cool. I'm, I'm fascinated to see if he can get this. It's going to be hard. The American Athletic Conference is a hard. It's got great coaches in the league for the on the men's side. But man, it's the travel is tough. The bottom is not particularly good, nor is it. Uh, it's a, not a sexy league, and UConn's got some money issues. But Dan's been able to do more with less at Rhode Island and at Wagner. I assume he'll do the same at UConn. Another, Million dollars. Another season like that, they're going to be called "You Can't." Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, the audience like that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, the Louisville Courier-Journal says Xavier coach Chris Mack will interview with Louisville officials on Saturday about that men's basketball coaching vacancy. Everybody always leaves Xavier, right? And the thought was that he's a Xavier player. Right. He won't. But, you know, uh, from Pete Gillen to Skip Prosser to Thad Mata right. to Sean Miller, they, they, all, they all leave, and they all leave because 
can't make three, four million dollars there, and at Louisville you can. Well, right, if he right. does leave and returns, they can play Return of the Mac at Xavier for years and uh, years. Yeah. Right. There we go. Um, how about a uh, oh, golf clap? All right. Well, let's talk golf. Tony Robo update. Remember, a five-over par round of 77 today for Tony. I was nervous. I think I knew going in that I was going to be trying to rely on your mechanics and your fundamentals and just swing, and we hit it fine. But, you know, I three-putted like three times, yeah. you know, twice early in the round, and that's you know, just nerves, and hopefully you can get that out of the way and come back and play better tomorrow. Romo mm-hmm. right now in a tie for 127th at the oh, Corrales no. Championship on the PGA Tour. Hmm. Nerves. That's, uh... Mm. That's uh, suboptimal. Suboptimal. And, uh, heck, I know you're going to touch on some Sweet 16 action, but four games tonight, if you didn't know. South Region, Loyola, Chicago four. taking on Nevada. K-State goes up against Kentucky. Michigan will take on Texas A&M in the West Region in L.A. with the late game being Florida State against Kentucky. Nevada, Loyola, pick one. Uh, give me the Wolfpack. I'll take them as well. A&M, Michigan. Michigan, two-and-a-half point favorite. Pick one. A&M. I'm going to take them as well. Kansas State, Kentucky. Kentucky, a five-point favorite. Give me the Wildcats. Me too. Oh, which ones? Yeah, <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, uh, Kentucky. Okay, I'm going to take Kansas State on that okay. one. Florida State, Gonzaga. Gonzaga, six-point favorite as of now. Um, Gonzaga. Six is a lot of points. A lot of points. Uh, I'll take them as well. Take them as well. The only one... Get out there and press. That was the press. So the only one we differ on, the only one we differ on is... K-State, Kentucky. K-State, Kentucky one. There you go. Did you see this? Uh, there's lots of former. We had Penny Hardaway on. Did you see Walter McCarty is the new head coach at Evansville? I did see that, yes. He's from Evansville, was on the Celtics staff, right? Walter McCarty played at Kentucky. Famously, uh, he and Calbert Chaney, another Evansville guy. Evansville's produced a bunch of players. But kind of interesting, all these guys that like we grew up watching play are now going to be like, but you're like, you got Pat Ewing over there, you got Chris Mullen, you got Penny Hardaway. Remember, Evansville used to have the sleeves? Sleeve jerseys, right. They had a guy named Parrish Casebeer. I think he led the country in scoring. They had sleeve jerseys, the Evansville Aces sleeve jerseys. They also had a terrible plane crash, I think, back in the late 70s. Late 70s, I think. Yeah, I think they lost their team in a plane crash. Um, Yudoka Azabuke will return without restrictions tonight, uh, tomorrow for Kansas. Kansas, of course, is a chance. Kansas Duke in Elite Eight. That would be, that would be a dream for the NCAA folks. I'll be hosting the herd tomorrow. Dan and Jonas. Dan, Dan will be uh, manning the fort with uh, Jonas Knox from uh, noon to three, three to six Pacific Coast time. Don't forget John Ramos, who will be p- pu- uh, pushing the wrong button at the right time. <laughs> hey. Better late than never, right? Correct, correct. Download the All Ball podcast, It's All Basketball, or our podcast, wherever you download podcasts. Can't decide what I want to do. I'm going to get in the car, and wherever the car takes me, that's where I'm going to go. That's where we go. I don't think that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, look, they tried, I mean, they tried that in Tempe and ran a lady over. I mean, my goodness, jeez. The- At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st. 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.